good. It was so funny because I was like, I woke up this morning. I'm like, I haven't heard from Bella in a really long time. And then I started looking at my Instagram messages. I'm like, I haven't talked to her since like the 12th. When did I saw her on the 14th? I'm like, it's been almost a week. And then I was like telling Kevin because I texted you yesterday, but the message didn't go through. So I'm like, why haven't I heard from Belle? And I was like, Kevin, should I panic? And he's like, if you're really worried about it, why don't you call her? I'm like, okay, maybe I'll wait till 12 because she said that she's free after 12. And if she doesn't message me, then I'm going to go. Oh, <laughs> where is the briefing question? She usually sends them. I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> oh my god i love how prepared you are you're just like you ask me all the right questions and i'm like oh my god i forgot that you i mean i didn't forget but i know you have a podcast so i'm just like her and sandy are probably so prepared every time you guys like end. oh my god we're not at all that's the funny part we are not prepared at all i've always tried to push like having briefing questions with sandy she's like yeah but then we start to get in our head too much and we think too much i'm like okay true Oh, fair enough, fair enough. You guys are so cute though. Every episode you guys have when you like the intros is always like, this is such an awkward like intro to the podcast. I don't think it ever matters how long you've been doing it. It's fucking weird. I know. It's just, it's like, cause you always have to like pause and like say something as if like no one's listening to you, but like you're talking to someone. It's weird. Nobody's there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I decided to change the way that I like introduced the podcast just because I was like, this is stupid. It's always going to be awkward. <laughs> Like, cool. Let's just do it this way. Hey guys, it's Belle, and this is Go From Here. Uh, this is my journey and the special people that I get to have in my life. I have a very special return guest today instead of being my life coach and motivator today she is actually going to talk to us about being an entrepreneur um, she's been working on this for like a while now you've been you've been thinking about doing this since like i even knew you came to toronto mm-hmm. um and she's finally you know i have her business cards i have her hand sanitizers <laughs> so i'm very excited to introduce Miss Eliza Talentino, but also AKA Psycho Beauty. Yeah. (laughs) So I I am like, I'm so, I'm still so excited about like everything you're doing. And like the first time I went into your space, I was like, oh my God, this is the definition of everything that you've been working so hard for. (laughs) I hope so. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really weird time doing all of this was really a weird thing yeah but I mean everything happens for a reason I guess right yeah no it's it's uh like you said it's it's been in the works for a while I mean it's one of those things that oh I guess I should introduce like what it is yeah (laughs) okay so Psycho Beauty um is my company or my business that I just started or just officially registered, let's say, um, about two weeks ago, but and officially started taking clients on October 7th. Um, basically, it is a, how would I describe it? It, it? On the surface, it's a business that does lashes, brows, makeup, all those kind of superficial things, but also with the intent of a safe space for people, um, all inclusive. Like I do services for men, women, transgender, gay, lesbian, black, white, Latino, (laughs) right? Um, And doing that in an industry that is so saturated with very superficial beauty expectations. Um, So Psycho Beauty pretty much came together with that in mind um and because i am a first year psych student um the name psycho goes for i guess if you want to call yourself psycho (laughs) it also goes for um psychology because i am um you know an enthusiast and now a student that is equipping herself with techniques and a deeper understanding of the human mind um 
yeah, it's it's an interesting space that I get to create on my own this time. Yay! Yeah, it's so <laughs> it is it's 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 funny because like as a person, I know you as someone who's very like comforting and you know mm-hmm. like I was telling you when I was at your uh, at my appointment last time, like you you really do like hold. I think that people that you love, like you hold our hands a lot and kind of like guide us through. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, like, I think that uh, like in the time like this, I think even really in any time, because a lot of people don't or like underestimate how stressful their lives are because everyone, especially in Toronto is constantly like, go, go, going. Mm -hmm. Um, The space that you created is uh is is a safe space and it's a bonus for all of us who get to go into your safe space because you are studying psychology so it's you know you get to apply everything you're learning and we get to um mm-hmm. tell you all our problems <laughs> yeah and it, it was funny like um i had gotten some advice from a client of mine who's a psychotherapist and the first thing she told me which is something i am not practicing but sometimes i think i should She's like, do not tell your friends you are taking psychology. <laughs> she and then she was like, because or yeah, she said friends or just people in general don't let don't let that be the first thing that comes up when people are like, oh, so what are you doing? Like, what are you into and all that kind of stuff? Because you'll find that people will pick at your mind for free, right? And whether that's monetary, like they won't give you money for it, or they won't. Um, respect your space. Yeah, with it too. Um, yeah. for me personally, I've always, I find, been somebody who um people could confide in. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting to now do it and promote it in what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. So her telling me that always is in the back of my mind but at the same time I don't only use um providing a safe space for people as a job or a business that's just who I am as a person yeah so that I always have it in the back of my mind like should I even tell somebody I'm doing this should this be like a description of myself and I'm like well fuck yeah like I'm 30 and I decided to go to school for it yeah so I'm going to share it, but yeah. Thanks for saying that though. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think your, your uh, client and friend told you to not tell people because for her, it is her career. So to, to give free advice, isn't necessarily something she wants from people. I think it comes with that. And it comes with also the understanding that um, taking on people's burdens or taking on people's, um, I guess not burdens, but problems does take a toll on you emotionally if you can't separate it from yourself right right um and that was also a problem i had for a really long time up until probably just recently with the silver lining of what covid has provided me right um is physical space from people right so it's helped me practice the space that is sometimes required in in order to maintain being empathetic. Okay. Uh, but I think she was saying that in terms of protecting yourself too, because going into psychology or going into any um, job that serves other people, whether you're like a nurse or um, I don't know, a handy those handyman drivers and stuff yeah. like that, right? It does take a toll on you when you have a responsibility to serve other people. And if you can't um, give yourself this space, then it becomes very overwhelming. So like imagine as a psychotherapist, you've gone through a four, 10 hour day week. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. go to a party and then you're like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, this is my friend. She's a psychotherapist. And then the whole night is just, you know, people asking you questions and stuff, like you can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally thanked her for that. And I will definitely read the room and figure out the moments when I shouldn't share that. <laughs> yeah, like to kind of pick who you tell that to. How would you go about that then if, like, for example, they're like, oh, like, tell me more about your uh, business and why mm-hmm. do you call it Psycho Beauty? 
I mean, I always share the same story um, and open up the dialogue that I'm in school for, for psychology because that's just the truth. Yeah. I wouldn't, um, you know, and I'm pretty good at setting boundaries with people. Like if they ask me a question, I'd be like, well, you know, we can go in depth with this a little bit further. Maybe this isn't the time to talk about it, right? Like, right. Um, so it, I guess it also comes with that too, is being able to set those kind of boundaries with situations. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to my business, when you're coming into my space, like that's what you came here for. This is what I'm providing the space for. Right. And I think that's also what drove me to starting my own thing was to be able to, you know, maybe I had a really crazy week with a lot of clients and sharing energy with people and I just need a break. Yeah. Being able to own your own business allows you to do that. Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, whereas only just as of late, businesses were honoring when people said, I need to take a mental health day. Yeah. Right? Like that wasn't a normal thing. No. Until pretty recently and very much so during COVID because everybody was experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Not just employees, but actual owners of businesses and, and CEOs and everybody was. So, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I mean, I, I love that. Um, like your reason behind why you decided to do this is so genuine and it shows in like just the passion that you have behind it. Mm -hmm. um, but I am curious to like, I mean, why it, being an entrepreneur is such a difficult thing, right? Like it's very challenging, right? Mm -hmm. To take that risk, to take that jump. Um, so why did you choose like this one specifically, like why in the beauty business, because it's already so competitive and I, I won't, I don't want to be offensive by saying it's mm. saturated. No, say it for what it is. Cause you are an <laughs> observer of the industry, right? So it counts. Um, so like, I, I'm just wondering because like, you're great at what you do. Um, obviously I come to you for, for, uh, beauty things as well as everything else, but, um, it is, there's so much in your market. Yeah. So like what, like, how did you even get to a point of like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a business owner and just do it. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to what brought me to this point. Um, I mean, I've been in and experiencing and obsessing over the beauty industry for over 10 years. Like I'm 30 now. So I had been a freelance makeup artist since I was 17. Um, like doing gigs from, you know, like your regular prom, wedding, debuts, like 18th birthdays are big in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, various like family portraits and stuff like that. So starting at 17 and going into an industry that at the time, um, was solely based on the superficial, okay. I find, um, doesn't still hold the same weight now, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, like, what do you mean by that? I mean, being a freelance makeup artist now, I think a lot of people in the industry are finding the sense of connection and the responsibility there is in such a vulnerable space you yeah. are taking somebody who's coming to you saying that i don't look beautiful enough and yeah. i need you to make me look beautiful right yeah um whereas before it was very superficial like makeup artists weren't accessible to everybody before right um so getting to the point now was having 10 plus years in the industry meeting different people um ensuring that the clients that i was taking on were people that really needed and it sounds really stupid, but really needed a makeup artist. Right. Um, and uh, part of my um, application or like, I don't even know what, a, what I usually call it. I guess consultation process of um, doing makeup was asking, why do you need me to do your makeup? Oh. Um, and I always wanted to know with people because when you go in as a makeup artist, you really should understand your client. It shouldn't just be a cookie cutter like, this is how I bronzer every single person. This is how I apply concealer on every single person. That's not how it works. Unless right. your clientele is the very same type of person. Right. Um, 
So understanding that factor was something that I had learned over the 10 years, getting to the point of starting a business and maybe having the courage to do it is yeah. probably what came out of COVID. <laughs> okay. Um, I had always wanted to do business. I had always been a person that had advice for friends that were starting up businesses. Right. Um, business is also something that I'm just honestly very much into marketing side, um, strategic planning, all that kind of stuff is something that I'm intrigued by and watching documentaries and interviews with people that are heavy in the game and have been doing it for a long time and innovators and in, in figuring it how figuring out how to market businesses has been always interesting to me. Right. Um, and I think COVID being able to slow everything down and take away the noise of distractions helped me realize that that's what I should just be doing. Like, we don't know when COVID's going to end. So why yeah. would you wait for it to end to do something? Right, right. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, I had the privilege of being able to be at home and sit and for how long was I off work, like sit for five months and and just do schooling and just realizing like it's it's more of a stress toll on me to not do what I want to do on my terms. Right. And this isn't to discourage any businesses that do let's say rent out chairs or have um, employees that are makeup artists or hairstylists, et cetera, but mm -hmm. also understand that our industry, our trades industry does not have a blueprint. How do I explain this? Does not have a blueprint to hold creatives to one space. Yes. Every creative is going to want to leave. I personally, just coming from a place where I was working previous, and this is a very strong word, find it very disgusting when owners think that they can own people, creatives in a contract. Yeah. I think um, that's also what pushed me to start my own business okay. is having to have signed a, a contract that had a intellectual property agreement in it mm -hmm. and if people aren't aware of what intellectual property is it's it's pretty much your mind your creative mind yeah when you yeah. sign a contract for intellectual property you're signing off anything creatively that you have thought of to that person yeah um having signed that really changed my mindset on the industry and it made me realize how much people don't understand like you can't control creatives. Yeah. We're always going to want to be doing something. We're always going to be most likely reaching out to do our own thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So during that time, reflecting on all of that and just realizing that, hold on, this business is making money off of me. Yes. Right. I yeah. am the business. Yep. So why don't I just have and worry about my own business? Right. Um, so yeah, that's where it kind of began and that's where I've gotten to this point <laughs> pretty much. That's so, it's, it's insane that you um, say that you've been in the industry for 10 years. That's a long, that's a very right. long time. Yeah, for like for anyone, just it, it, not even as a, like a career path at 17. Like, did you know at 17 that you'd be doing this for 10 years? No. <laughs> um. Yeah, like I started doing, um, so my grandmother was a beautician. She was like, she won awards and stuff like that in the Philippines oh. and whatnot. So it was always um, in the family. Yeah, like in the family and in my surroundings. My brother's also a barber. He right, has his own right. barber shop, right? So it's always been there. Um, and I think because I was very artistic as a kid, it just became like a natural thing for me. And okay. then on top of that, just being a female, like you learn how to do makeup and all that kind of stuff. And then you realize that that is a form of artistic, an, an, an unartistic outlet yep. that uh, maybe wasn't praised to be artistic before because people were like, oh, how hard is it to put on this and oh, to do yeah. that? <laughs> now it's like, it's blown up and you see makeup artists becoming visual directors for things and like yeah. all these crazy things. Um, but at 17, I didn't think I would be still um, in the industry. No, I knew that 
beauty was never going to disappear for me because I just, I'm a creative. So genuinely, like, I love beautiful things. Yeah. Well, whatever I find beautiful may not be for everybody else, but yeah, at 17, no, I didn't think so. And also, like, I've told this story, I think, in the last podcast where in high school, I went to my counselor and I was going to go into psychology and he told me that was a useless degree to have unless I was planning to get my PhD. Yeah. So no, at 17, I thought I was going to go into psychology, become a psychologist and all that kind of stuff. And then my, my dream got shot down at 17. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, and then I was like, you know what, let's just go with this beauty thing and see, see how it works out and come full circle. I'm doing both. Yeah. I know. That's yeah. so cool. I, I, I love that. I love stories where, you know, you wanted to do something else because you, like, you knew in your heart that it's something that you would be doing as a passion. Mm-hmm. And then having, at it, being in the age or at the phase in your life where, like, being influenced is so easy. So then someone telling you, it's probably not going to work out. Like, don't bother. And then you're like, oh. well, shit. Like, I should move on. And then you do something else that you are passionate about, but not more, almost like not more of a career mindset, but more just because you love it so much. Yeah. And then you made a career out of it. Yeah. And then now you're back, like you said, you're full circle and you get to do both. And you know that, like, how does that feel? That must be such a, like, such a, I can't even find the word for the accomplishment that you must feel. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because it doesn't feel like I've accomplished anything yet. <laughs> no, because it's only and and I I'm so thankful that I have you and like friends around me that are like, yeah, it's a humble beginning, but that's such a big step for you. Like you've yeah. been wanting to do something like that. So it's it's really good and it's great to have people um that are very encouraging and understanding of how long I've wanted to do this. This wasn't this wasn't something that I was like, oh, there's lash artists popping up everywhere. Let me become one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just kind of yeah. fell into my lap and I ran with it. And, um, and then it came to this, but there are little small accomplishments. Like registering my business was like this weird yeah. moment for me. And it was just a piece of paper that I paid for. And like <laughs> you register your name and, and, um, yeah, it doesn't seem that significant, but it is because it's, it's small little beginnings of things. Um, but it's interesting. It's scary, but I was telling, um, Kevin the other day, like I'm literally shit scared. Oh wait, can I swear on? Yeah, you got it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Literally shit scared every day financially because I don't know what's going to come. Yeah. But I would rather be worried about money than worried about like my mental sanity. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Thank you. I can always make more money. I yeah. could sign up and become like, uh, what are, uh, like work at a call center if I wanted to, or work from home and do something like that yeah. and make more money, um, yeah. sell a product and make more money. I could start an OnlyFans and sell photos of my feet for money. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the yes. day, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm okay. But yeah, I would say, yeah, it's it's that weird uh, paradigm where like fear and love kind of sit beside each other. Yeah, always like trying to figure it out. But no, it's it's like a huge weight off my shoulders, and I'm having fun with it for now, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm so excited. I, I it's one of the things I find that a lot of people in my life or my therapist has noticed that. Um, we don't have moments where we celebrate such tiny things mm-hmm. and for you specifically as an entrepreneur, it's such a cool experience for me to observe and kind of watch you grow um, from like really humble beginnings. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of motivators and entrepreneurs say that all the time. You will never see the hardships of an entrepreneur and then when people see how successful you've become, everyone's like, oh, that was so easy for her because mm-hmm. no one sees any of the mm-hmm. background stuff. So yeah. I finally get to experience that through you. And, it, and it's, it's such a humbling thing for me to understand too that, you know, like after 10 years, you finally get to do something you love. Yeah. And like having you say that money, um, it's, it's a worry, but you'd rather have that than have your mental state be the worry is, is mm-hmm. so um, like reinforcing for me because I've always believed that 
um, growing up and, you know, being Filipino, mm-hmm. our parents are very like, I need to make sure that my kids don't feel what I felt yeah. growing up. Yeah. And my parents, you know, as, as I love them, but it, there were times where money was really important. Yeah. Um, and you can feel the mental, the lack of mental capacity that they would have for their kids. Mm-hmm. And I know that wasn't because they wanted to do that, but it's because they need to focus on other things. Um, so hearing you like just be super honest about all this kind of stuff, it's, it's nice. And it's, it's, I really think that you should celebrate the small things. <laughs> you a really good job. Yeah. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard for yeah. a lot of people, but you know, we'll have, you have us to remind you. Yeah. I think you touched on something that's really important to you that I wanted to emphasize for anybody that might be listening, um, who comes from families like ours where they're immigrant parents and they're doing what they can for money um, and they make money like the forefront of success. Yes. But once you get older, you start to realize, and if you have children of your own, there's um, this one Oh, yes. This one quote from a psychologist, Carl Jung, um, and he says, the greatest burden a child can carry or must bear is the unlived life of a parent. And right, like, it's true. We see what our parents had sacrificed and you get older and you start to understand that they were equipped with only what they knew. Yes. And as an immigrant family, and I think anybody who is a child of immigrants should look into the process of what it's like to have had immigrated in the 1980s and, and yeah. what it was like. And um, even just what the air was like when they came here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. to understand the things that or the impressions that were given to them, which was if you didn't have money, you didn't mean anything in this yeah. country. Yeah, absolutely. Coming here from your country was not an accomplishment. It's what you do here that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so while sometimes we have these weird insecurities with our parents now at these eight, this age and, and we're like, why can't they understand me and just be happy for me? Yeah. We we're from a completely different time yeah. and everything happens for a reason. And the trickling down of things that you would consider now being things you would never do is for you to use when you have children. Yeah. So we know that our parents obviously some may have, but I think a majority did not live the lives that they wanted. Yeah. Did not live, live out, get to live out, or even try to, try to live out the dreams that they wanted. Yeah. So having said that, I think it's also our responsibility to break that cycle and try our best when we can to live up to the things we want to live up to. Because yeah. even though you tell your kids you love them very much, they yeah. will feel when a parent, you know, yeah, it's putting on a burden on them. Yeah. Um, even if you know your parents give you all the toys and all the things, you yeah, know, they they can feel it. Kids know. We all know. Yeah. Yeah. But that I just wanted to emphasize that because that is a big thing too, and probably a big reason why you're seeing a lot of immigrants now, um, millennials, starting up businesses. Yeah. Because yeah, we, especially Filipinos, we come from a business mindset. Like there yeah. are. Yeah. Um. Like, wait. What do they call them? They don't call them markets. And well, I guess you can call them markets in the Philippines. But like, everybody in the Philippines is entrepreneur. Like, my grandmother was like a hair. She had a hair salon and a restaurant. Like, (laughs) you know. Yeah. So having that kind of, um, I guess full circle is probably cool. I wish I could. I probably should ask my parents how they feel to have like two kids now that started up a business. Yeah. But yeah. That's just like another thing I wanted to touch on. We yeah. always like veer off into the. I know, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I appreciate. I appreciate that. Uh, I think I, I love talking to or having you as a guest because you do focus a lot on just like our heritage, and and I really appreciate that because uh, it, it's. I, I'm finding that it's a it's, <laughs> it's been an interesting time, uh, mm. for COVID and like all the, like the Black Lives Matter um just protests and and everything that's going on and i'm finding i've actually found people in my life ask me what it's like to be a person of color mm-hmm. and for the first time i think it's the first time that they've even realized 
that I'm a person of color because of this that are happening. Um, and I like, I don't even know what to tell them. I'm like, I don't really think I feel it the same way. Like I, I I don't, I, I've, I've never gone into a store and thought, well, they won't sell anything to me because I'm Filipino Mm -hmm. or I'm not scared of cops. I like, they make me nervous when I'm probably speeding in Toronto, but Mm -hmm. like, I'm never like, oh, I'm going to get pulled over for no reason. Yeah. Right. And then get shot at because I'm Filipino. Yeah. Um, and I feel, I feel like guilty almost to, to be able to say that I have that privilege of, you know, you're a person of color and you don't feel any of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for me to try and establish a proper relationship with these same people and, you know, understand that you can still say racial things yeah. to me and I will still be offended by them, but you won't see it that way because you don't see me as a person of color. Yeah. It's, um, that, that's also what's interesting too. That's opened up for a lot of Filipinos is realizing our proximity to whiteness that we never really thought right? was a thing. Right. And um, just seeing how much our immigrant parents have also assimilated into Canadian culture Yes. Um, And that comes from a form of oppression, right? Like it's happened in residential schools. It's happened to immigrants. It's happened to black people that are in this country. Like it happens all the time to any marginalized group to even make you believe that it doesn't exist. Yes. Right. Make you believe that you're you're a person of color but also make you believe that oh i don't actually experience it but it's because you're so blind to oh i am a person of color i totally forgot you know right like i navigate through this world not um not being touched by the boundaries that some people of color um meet yeah yeah and it is such an interesting concept because again no culture is a monolith not one culture has the same experience for each person because race is also interlinked with class and education and you know what your sexual orientation is all of those things are very specific so like it is kind of cool that people are are being a little bit more confident in asking what it's like yeah to be a color person and I always think that the best way to begin is even just like you you brought up a really good point like walking into a store you don't worry about people not serving you yeah you have that even that idea in your head is something that some white people don't ever possess yes to think that there's a possibility yeah yeah is what separates white supremacy mindset to what the rest of us, you know, um, experience. And it's the um, ability to live in, in this world with a sense of obliviousness. That's yeah. a privilege. Yeah. And yeah, it, it definitely depends on which class. I've always walked into stores and thought that this person's going to totally think I'm stealing, depending on how I look, how I'm dressed that day. Right. Yeah. Right. And or me and Kevin have gone into restaurants and we've had shitty service while the person next to us has amazing service. And it always comes down to also because those experiences happen, we don't want to, or we're taught not to 100% run to race as the first thing. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe it's because we look young. Maybe it's because we look like we don't have any money, but all of those things coincide with race because skin color is the first thing they see yes yes right and everything else trickles down into that like oh they're colored what are they wearing oh how do they talk you know yes all those things so we're taught as the marginalized and the people that are oppressed to not have race be the first thing that comes to us yeah we're always judged by that first thing because it's associated with skin color all the time yeah yeah that's where anxiety stems in in such a huge like and it becomes such a huge thing for colored people that like that trauma is so deep-rooted that we even second guess our discernment about everything yes you know like we don't even trust our own gut 
I know about anything, our own instincts. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's so fucking frustrating that even just talking about business and yeah. my business makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. It's weird. Yeah. So I, weird. yeah. I was just going to ask you that, like, now that you're, you know, you have your own business or like the 10 years that you've been in your industry, have you ever felt hardships because of your, like, because you're Filipino? I don't think, um, I don't want to say it's not, it's because I'm Filipino, specifically. I mean, okay, probably <laughs> because of everything I just explained. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I'm also not like loud about the business either. Um, funny enough, we, I was having a video conversation with um, my in-laws and um my sister-in-law announced it to my in-laws that oh. i started up a business and that oh yeah she's on her own now da, da, da. and his and my mother-in-law was like oh you've been so quiet about it you haven't said anything and, and it hit me and i'm like yeah why don't you say these things and yeah it caused me to reflect and it's exactly what we're speaking about right like because of my race or because of my experiences with being a marginalized group, maybe not so marginalized as some other people, but still marginalized group. Yeah. You find yourself trying to just be in the background and be as quiet as possible and to have your successes yeah. not be because you're a colored person. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Like, I don't want to put in the forefront that I'm like, yeah, support a Filipino female and da da da. But at the same time, I fucking should because the same people that are telling me not to use my race are the same people oppressing marginalized people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So yeah. that's when I decided to put on my business Instagram page the Filipino flag and the Canadian flag. Yeah. And specifically put the Filipino flag first because for such a long time, I had always identified just as Canadian and was always like, no, I'm Canadian born. I'm, I'm yeah. from Canada. I'm not like, I don't know. I'm kind of Filipino. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I understand it fluently, but like, I've never been to the Philippines and all that kind of stuff. But that is also, again, another form of oppression. Yeah. Um, and really getting people in their own heads to assimilate to a country that doesn't embrace them the same way yeah right and so that's why I, I do like talking about race and I do like bringing it up because I'm discovering it again for on my own this time yeah um and through the help of other people and um watching movements happen and being inspired by them and and supporting them and understanding how to support them and while supporting the Black Lives Matter movement you also have to understand to support yourself alongside that because while you aren't white, you also aren't black, but you also are oppressed. Yeah. So it's like the balance of everything. But yeah. yeah, back to the business thing, like being a Filipino in the industry for 10 plus years, did I ever feel like, I mean, you go to Winnipeg and there's a lot of white makeup artists out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. And white makeup artists that had studios. Maybe now there's a lot more studios with colored people, but when I was starting, it didn't feel like it. Yeah. Um, and especially young makeup artists that were colored and doing makeup out of their basement or whatever. That wasn't a thing. It wasn't glamorous. Like, you know, so I do feel like there are definitely opportunities that maybe I'd never seen that I should have been able to see. Yeah. Um, and that is also the magic of Instagram and networking and all these organizations that are bringing people in specific industries together yeah. and the accessibility you have on Instagram to join those places and find those same opportunities. Now, will you be granted the same access to those jobs? I don't know, but at least you're being, and, and even that in itself sounds really bad. You're being allowed to be and be aware of it. It's yeah. kind of pretty fucked up. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah. And also I think there's there's opportunities that I don't get um because I'm not your conventional makeup artist. I don't 
I don't wear full face makeup. I don't say babe or hun and no offense to anybody that does. That's your jam. That's your jam, right? Like that's just not me as a person. And I had a conversation like this with my other girlfriend who's, who's a very successful lash artist, but isn't loud about it. She doesn't follow the blueprint of how to promote herself and all that kind of stuff. She's just doing her thing. And we had a pretty deep conversation just about the lash industry itself and, and how it feels to see girls who unfortunately we've had to correct their work yet they are very successful right money wise let's put it that way integrity (laughs) money sure right but i have had several work come to me from a specific lash artist in the city who is doing fairly well for herself and I'm not going to name her because I don't think that's right to put her on blast, but I'm just saying. The T. Right? And, and you're just like, oh, I see how it is. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's such an interesting industry because you see people become cookie cutters. There are girls clubs in this city. Let's not pretend. Like, oh, yeah. there are girls clubs okay. here um, who focus more on the aesthetic of a business rather than the actual integrity of the business. Yeah. That seemed to do pretty well for themselves yeah so th- those are and i think yeah because i don't fit into a spe- very specific mold of the industry it makes it a little bit harder to understand like but what is she right oh weird right like oh, oh she you know what i mean like yeah i don't like that you know you can say like oh she's a, a she's a pretty girl but like she doesn't wear like full face makeup anymore oh, God. and yeah you know and i've had those things said to me in a sense of being told I should wear or like or you looked more presentable the other time the first time I met you like in the interview we had like you had full face of makeup and now you don't and I'm like oh oh okay (laughs) I see it I get it yeah yeah you know and it's those little nuances that um make it very make it very obvious yeah the industry is like but i'm i'm trying to change the way people view beauty and i think it's a great time now because a lot of people are realizing that um wellness is 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 a type of beauty yeah Yeah. of course yeah and like there's nothing wrong with getting your lashes done getting your full face of makeup done but also understanding that there is like um what is the word oh and a, a mental awareness that you should have when you're doing that yeah Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, um, that you touched on, like you, your industry has such a, like a very specific mold of what a makeup artist, I mean, again, no like blast to James Charles or whatever, who wears makeup all the time. He's amazing. But, um, to create a mold like that and have everyone fit into it in your industry is like it's interesting coming from from you because you're in that industry, but being someone from the outside, I didn't even realize that I think the same way sometimes, right? Like to yeah. to to have someone be an entrepreneur and brand themselves. Sometimes I expect someone to have a full face of makeup because yeah. you're walking around and being your own marketer, yeah, being your own PR person. And then when you you know have a fresh face, as much as I don't like wearing as much makeup as most girls. Mm-hmm. Um, when I want someone to do my makeup, I almost expect them to like show me what they can do, yeah, their own face, yeah. Um, but it's it's funny because with you, I always I always knew you as a fresh face person, yeah. Um, and I appreciated that about you. But now that you've pointed that out, I can see how that, <laughs> like, I don't even want to say turn people off, but it probably I mean it probably does. Yeah. Um, and that sucks. Like, how do you move past that, knowing that that's such a mold in your industry? Um, like, you still I mean, don't do it. Like, you don't put makeup on. Yeah, everything. like I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that is also where Instagram gets to play a role in everything. Okay. Um, okay, so let's put it this way. Maybe a tip for some people who are listening. Just because your makeup artist does great makeup on themselves doesn't mean they can do it for you. 
I've seen makeup artists who do amazing work on themselves yeah, and can't produce the same on somebody else. That's also because like motor skill wise, your hands are facing different ways, right? Right, right. Um, so that's number one. Understand that seeing somebody who has amazing makeup on themselves doesn't foretell what they're going to do for you. Right. Um, yeah. So with that being said, check out their Instagram. Yeah. If they have a business, look at their Instagram, see what the work is that they produce. If their work is all their face. I mean, I don't know if I can tell you that they can do great work on other people. Right. Um, so that's one thing I did want to point out. Um, just as like an awareness thing for other people who are trying to hire makeup artists, that there yeah. are makeup artists like me who don't like to wear a full face of makeup. Yep. We yep. do every, occasionally, but doing it on another person is more so our forte. And um, to understand that that's, that's also what a makeup artist looks like. Yeah. You know, some makeup artists don't have great skin, but they do great work. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one way to look at it. How do I feel about the whole thing? I mean, and how do I kind of work through it? I guess just building my portfolio is always the best. I always start off with that too. I'll be like, I'm a makeup artist. If you ever want to check out my portfolio here, you know, and it, it yeah. directs people straight to there before they can even make a judgment about anything else. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, utilize your portfolio, create a great portfolio. And if you can't get jobs right away and you're trying to figure out how to create your portfolio, find anybody. Yeah. Your mom, your friends, your sister, whatever, anybody who is willing to just be a face, use those people and don't get discouraged if you don't get hired right away because, I mean, you learn more from your failures than you do your successes, I find. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's the only thing that I've ever navigated through in terms of just thinking about the makeup industry. Um, yeah. And I know honestly that makeup is not my, my end all be all either. That's what helps me too. Yeah. Um, and not to throw any shade. So that's why sometimes I feel sorry for people that are just like, that's what they do and that's it. Yeah. Like that must be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like I am happy that I get any gigs, like moving to Toronto has humbled me so much. Like there's so many people here. Yeah. And so to get a gig, I get excited every single time, Yay! you know, and like yeah. there'll be small gigs, like somebody's going out for Valentine's day or oh. you know, they have like an engagement photo shoot or I'll book something like an eight person wedding. Like wow. to me, it doesn't really matter. It's just, again, like how we were talking about, I just enjoy doing makeup. I yeah. am not trying to be like the James Charles of the world. That's not my thing. And if it is yeah. your thing, then they're, you're listening to the wrong person. Cause I'm not going to give you advice on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. But, yeah. That's how it's probably helped me the most um combat that and I, honestly i'm a really good talker that's the thing that's helped me a lot yeah you're when a good person to, yeah, yeah when i talk to people about makeup and what we could do and what i've done before that usually helps too so yeah. being able to be confident in the work that you do um shows even if you're not wearing it on your face yeah agreed agreed yeah. um so we're uh i want to do this into two parts we've only answered really like two of the questions that I, oh, <laughs> I know well it's so great i love it though so like we'll, we'll answer one more question because i know it's going to fill the time that i want um and then we'll uh end it and then go into it's because i had coffee so i've been talking a lot <laughs> no i love it i love honestly i so one of my cousins is uh is a big fan of the podcast Ooh. And he was like, when your episode came out, it changed her life. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And, and she was saying that, you know, she's never really talked to me about my mental health before. Mm -hmm. And then hearing us um, talk about it almost, almost like in a really like comfortable setting. Mm -hmm. um, it was weird how I say comfortable. <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> in a comfortable setting. She actually decided to um, 
make some changes in her own life. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, that's so nice to hear. Cause she said, talked about so many things that, you know, she was going through and didn't even realize it. You talked Mm -hmm. about things about our families and, and, um, just anxiety and, um, just like a lot of mental health things that she has never really heard people talk about in the way that we did. Mm -hmm. Um, she was really excited that it was in two parts because she was upset that the first part ended so quickly. (laughs) So I was like, oh, it's really nice. Like she was very happy that you were on. She asked me if I'd ever have you back on. I was like, probably. Awesome. That's so cool to hear. Yeah. No, I enjoy that. And I think that's what, what's going to be really cool coming out of this episode is, um, anybody who's in the beauty industry that maybe feels the same way. Yeah. Right. And sometimes thinks that there's only a very specific blueprint of how you should act and be and think in this industry. But I don't know. I've I've always been that type of kid that just like, it's always like, no, that's not how it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It be another way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny that you went into that because now I'm asking my, my next question um, because the beauty industry and just your life has kind of caused a lot of, I mean, not caused, but there, there's a lot of obstacles in the way that your life has kind of come now. Mm. What, like who, if any, do you have any inspirations in your life? So many. <laughs> like there's a, there's a lot depending on how I'm feeling, what I'm trying to find inspiration for. Okay. Um, for me specifically in, in how she holds herself in the makeup industry specifically is Pat McGrath. Oh, um, yeah. So she's a makeup artist, not your loud makeup artist. She doesn't wear makeup for the most part that I've seen her. Um, she was a very, very quiet person in the industry for so long. And I never knew her name until... Ooh, I can't remember exactly when. Um, probably about maybe eight years ago. So, wow. I, you know, two or three years into being into makeup, I didn't know who she was. However, I was coincidentally liking all of the photos of her work. And back then, makeup artists weren't at the forefront of anything. We were behind the scenes. Yes. You didn't know our name. Yep. None of that. So that's completely changed now. So to understand the history of how makeup was before, don't feel bad if nobody knows your name because that's just like the proper way to go through <laughs> all of this. Um, but Pat McGrath has been somebody, a huge inspiration to me just because of her passion for understanding how to apply makeup to people not and, and very specific to a person in how they want to look. Right. And how they already look um so she's a huge one for me also because she doesn't wear makeup and she is like super good at makeup and she has a makeup line with sephora um so if you want to check it out it's really good um (laughs) but to have her still in the game she had been in the game for way longer um what before i first um discovered her actual name not just her work but her name um, so to see her now coming out with a line yeah. after being X amount of years in the game is really, really cool because it's like you realize it's a marathon. You don't want to get all your winnings at the very beginning. Yeah. You, know, you just want to keep going. And that's when you know somebody is really passionate about it. They've been in it for like decades. And then only then are they releasing a makeup line. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she's a huge inspiration for me. I mean, in this probably sounds really weird for people. But in terms of like critical thinking and viewing the world from different perspectives, I probably say two comedians. Oh, Dave Chappelle is my biggest, biggest. Like, I just love the way he can creatively or not even creatively, but critically think about a situation and say the things that people are explaining yeah. or thinking, but not saying and yeah. explain as to why that is a valid thing to think. Yeah. Um, and then spin it that you laugh about it. Yeah. And even the people that are the subject of the joke are laughing about it because it's just it's true. like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Amanda Seals is another one. She's been like a really big inspiration of mine uh, for a while now. And even more so navigating through understanding what the fuck is happening in the world. Yeah. She's been really um, good. But those are probably three that come to mind fairly quick. When we did the briefing and you sent me the questions, I was like, oh, my God, I don't. I can't, I don't know. 
but I'm happy I thought about those three. There's definitely a lot more, but um, if I were to put people that are in like, yeah, I guess a celebrity position, it would be those three and kind okay. of household names, easy to find. Yeah. Should I take a look at them, but um, yeah, I would say those three for sure. No, that's really cool. Kind of like think about anybody else. That missing, <laughs> but like, I'm sure I'm missing a ton of people because like, I don't know, I get inspired by a lot of different people, people walking down the street, people I talk to randomly that I don't know. Yeah. You know, all of my friends, like I'm inspired by everybody. I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired by anybody that I've ever talked to. Like genuinely, I'm inspired by all of my friends that yeah. I have around. Um, yeah. Otherwise, why would I be your friend? Yeah. You know, if not. Yeah to be inspired by you yeah. so that's that's another thing that I could put out there in terms of who inspires me I am there's so many <laughs> I don't know you know <laughs> top three I think it, it's it's interesting because um your inspirations show um just like with you as a person <laughs> uh, I think you're really funny so that show I, I'm not surprised that two of your inspirations are comedians Amanda Seals is also the type of person, or she, in her podcast, the Small Doses podcast. Mm-hmm. I um, love her podcast. Every time I listen to it, I'm always, like, in my car going, like, fuck, yes, like, yeah. oh, my God, like, no one else says this shit ever. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with Dave Chappelle. Like, I'm laughing really hard, but going, wow, I never <laughs> thought of it that way. <laughs> you're like shit okay what is happening yeah, yeah you're cool. still laughing and thinking I really missed that one didn't I yeah and but the cool thing too that maybe I was overshooting was making it seem like comedians aren't intelligent I think they're one of the most intelligent people out there I agree. If you can make a full room laugh about something so serious there's like magic in that yeah and I think it takes a very smart person to be able to create a blueprint on how to do that every single time and like Dave Chappelle has like time and time again come out with material that's like incredible yeah all the time yeah so I'm glad that you're cool with those comedians because (laughs) honestly (laughs) there have been people in my life who are no longer part of my life (laughs) oh no (laughs) get their humor and I just I can't I probably can't be friends with people that don't get that humor like yeah I don't know. I find it. I find it. I find their humor hilarious and so witty, but also so honest. Yes. Yeah. That's just like, I guess, who I try to be too. So if you can't get with that, then you probably, I don't know why you were friends. Yeah. Like why we would be the same. Yeah. yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. I, I've, I've had experiences like that where, like, it, and it's funny because you always realize who you want in your life through really almost like humorous experiences because. You'll, you'll make something funny, which is always the case when, you know, you want to talk about something serious, but like as human nature, you want to make it lighthearted, which is yeah. why I love those two. And people, like you said, people in my life also who have not appreciated their humor, I was like, well, <laughs> probably don't think the same and I won't learn anything from you and you yeah. think I'm just weird and stupid. So like, we should probably go our separate ways. Um, so I'm going to ask you actually one more question because that, that was uh, really cool. Also, I want to point out that I've never heard of Pat McGrath um, until <laughs> like smaller influ- makeup influencers have used her, like mm-hmm. love her products. Mm-hmm. But that's so cool how she's just so quiet. I love her. She's so, and like in her interviews, I don't know. It's just like the demeanor she, she has. Like yeah. she's just like, I just, I'm doing makeup. Like, yeah, I don't know why you're talking to me right now. Oh, no. <laughs> the thing, like, she she's a very nice person in her interviews, but it's also like, I'm here to do the makeup. I'm I'm not trying to entertain people, you know. Right. Like, right. So it's also that, like, figuring out what your intention is in the industry, like, and that's why I'm saying, like, there's no judgment if you like to be an entertainer and you're you know, you're the James Charles of the world or like even Patrick Starr of the world who genuinely just loves putting these elaborate things together. Good yeah. for you for yeah. doing that. And then there's some people who are like me that just like, I just like doing makeup. Like that's it. It's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Makeup and beauty. And let's talk about some in-depth things. Let's get some things off your chest while we're chatting. Like 
Betsy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Um, so because like, because of your inspirations and, you know, just because you have such a passion for your, for your, um, like now your business, what, what makes you want to continue the path that you're on for the makeup and then now learning that, you know, I want to add the whole psychology part behind it too. What makes me want to continue with it? Yeah. Because there's so much more to do. Like I just barely scratched the surface. Like starting this business hasn't even started any of the things on my list that I want to do. Um, So I think it's, because they come from two what we would like to think like contrasting worlds like beauty and then psychology right right? like two different things people would I think say are not to be in the same room together yeah that's what motivates me to keep going until that becomes normal oh interesting okay and until yeah until that mindset becomes normal that beauty and psychology and well-being and and um mental health all come together and yeah. that's a normal thing um that's probably i probably won't stop then but that's definitely the goal that's driving everything for sure yeah do you it, it's like do you find that um even in your 10 years because you you just said that you know that you just started like you haven't really scratched the surface mm-hmm. but you've been in the industry for 10 years <laughs> yeah. so do you not feel like you've really done what you've wanted in the 10 years that you've been doing this? I haven't. um, I wouldn't say that I haven't done anything on my list. I think there's like, I have a big list for things. (laughs) There's a lot of things on my list. Um, But within those 10 years, you know, I had cool little wins. Like I'm not going to say I didn't have small goals in between. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I did you know, make up for small boutiques in Winnipeg for their photo shoots. Those were like really exciting moments for me. I'd never done like a commission job before or get contracted for something. Right. Um, I did that. I did, you know, um, photo shoots for like students that were in, you know, fashion courses and stuff like that. So I collaborated with them on photo shoots. I did the 13 hour barbershop and salon marathon that I ran for Typhoon Haiyan in like 2000. What was that? It was like 2008. Wow. Oh my God, when did that typhoon happen? I can't even remember now. Oh, I know. Or no, 2013, maybe? Something like that. Was, yeah, it was definitely later down then. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah. So doing that was like a huge dream of mine. And it seems like the the pattern of my life or the consistent thing in my life is I produce these things when I'm pushed into a corner or I have a short, like a short period of time when I have to, and I can do it. Yeah. Like doing that um, fundraiser was huge for me because I pulled that together in a week. I spearheaded the whole thing. I contacted my DJ friend, um, DJ Dilo from Winnipeg, contacted him, asked him if he knew anybody. We kind of like, it was a whole like, spider web of networks that just went out I shot my shot with anybody I knew yeah and the response was incredible because it's it's a cause that people want to be a part of right like we always want to look at the world and think the worst of everything but if you give people an opportunity to help they will help yeah Yeah. so that was my like moment in realizing that pulling that together having the event in a space um like the old republic I don't know what it is now but It was in that space. It had been shut down during the winter because they were transitioning it into another place. So it wasn't being used. Right. Like just thinking about that, how that was put together in a week. Yeah. That's kind. Yeah. And we had like news coverage there. We did um, a quick little excerpt on like, what was it? Not Shaw TV. BTV or Global News, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like a small little cute like promotional thing for it at my brother's barbershop with DJ Dilo and me kind of explaining what the event was. We raised like over $3,500. Like, and it was such a cool event that I was always in my head, but I never, I never was willing or had the confidence to put it out there until that like quick moment, like, oh my God, a freaking typhoon hit the Philippines. We need to raise money. Yeah. And then it was put together. So things like that. 
um, where I got to join two things like helping others and makeup and beauty and all those things all together. Yeah. Um, it was such a cool experience. So I'm not going to say that in the 10 years I didn't accomplish things. I definitely did. Okay. But with this new um, layer understanding, deeper understanding of psychology and mental health, I think is a whole um, different pocket of goals that I haven't even scratched the surface with, which is really cool to think right. about. Um, yeah, the 10 years was cool. The 10 years was experience that brought me to this place of like having this kind of perspective on the beauty industry. So it was very significant for where I am now. Um, but yeah, still there's, there's so much and that's what keeps me like motivated to keep going. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. Like you're just, it's this constant learning that I'm hearing from you, which mm -hmm. is, um, like I said, it's so inspiring and such a motivating thing to have like someone in my life who like, you never, it, it's funny because like living in Toronto, I remember the first time I saw you and I told you like you and Kev have been here for so much longer than when I moved here. Mm -hmm. Um, and we both kind of, you know, I told you I moved to BC yeah. for a little while and you told me you did the same and how mm -hmm. much we hated it. Uh, because everyone kind of literally moves slower um <laughs> and and what we love about Toronto is that everyone moves at our pace mm -hmm. like it, it's not too fast but we move kind of like collectively um mm -hmm. in, in a really busy state all the time mm -hmm. um but I never, like, a lot of people see it as, like, well, you should probably, you know, know how to rest sometimes, which is what BC does. I get that. But, you know, li like, talking to you and listening to you talk about how um, you're constantly doing things to serve people or mm -hmm. to find ways to put one thing together that makes more sense, like psychology and beauty. And um, I think our city helps us do that totally right um and it like i feel like it engages us more and i think mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why i love toronto so much is that it allows us to do that yeah it's super cool like the city is so interesting and i think even though it gets a lot of attention in a very specific way yeah there's a lot more to it that people don't really realize like there's so many niche things here that are so cool and like asking clients what they do for a living and it's very like I've never heard of that before like what does that mean yeah um and I've also noticed a lot of people a lot of my clients are in an industry where it's more so like consulting or yeah. you know and it's in in that kind of realm of an industry it's all about communication and sharing yeah. ideas and that's just the coolest thing. Like you can be yeah. in community in a job you work in. Yeah. And that I feel like, even though sometimes Toronto does feel very lonely, once you find your people, it's a very strong community of people. Yes. Yes. Which is cool. In, in Vancouver, I don't know if I felt that, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's a very <laughs> specific lifestyle that I would love to vacation to, but would not live. Yes. Um. So yeah, that's really what Toronto was for me. Yeah, no, same, same. Um, before we go down uh, our path in this podcast, I'm going to end it here for now just because I think we're having so much fun. Um, <laughs> before it goes over an hour. <laughs> I keep tangenting into like other things again. Um, so uh, I want to say thank you for now. Yeah. And then uh, we'll move on to the second part. Uh, okay, bye guys. Well, we'll see you. <laughs>